Good morning, Mosaic. It's so good to be here to speak to you. Sorry that I can't come to you live. I'm currently across the hall, or down the hall, in Resurgence, probably doing a sermon for high school there. Today, our, uh, my talk is entitled High School Ministry and Doing the Dougie. Yes, I don't know if you're the Dougie, but um, that's the Dougie, I think. And our text today is Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. Please hear uh, God's word. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is the word of the Lord. Greetings in the name of the Lord. Uh, it's a joy to speak to you, and though I'm usually down the hallway, I do feel that sometimes it can be quite a long distance from this ministry to the ministry that I am part of in Resurgence, the high school ministry at Chode. Uh, as a high school pastor, I want to speak to you today about our ministry and what we do and why I think that high school ministry is incredibly important at the same time, very difficult. Some people think I'm crazy or they think I'm lazy. I'm not saying that I'm not either. I think I'm a little bit of both. But people ask me, yeah, you must be kind of crazy to, to still do youth ministry after all these years. Why don't you do some real ministry? And maybe they don't say it in those words, but that's kind of what they mean. When will you graduate out of this kid stuff and, and do some real preaching? Which leads to a thinking that maybe they think I'm really lazy or incompetent to do those things, to do, to do adult ministry, or lazy to not engage in this quote-unquote real ministry. And um, I think that is how I'm viewed a lot of times. And to say that this is my joy to others, it may not seem like it's being sincere, but man, I've been called to do youth ministry and it's my joy and until the Lord changes my direction, I think this is going to be the hill that I die on. I think it's the most, uh, it's, it's not the most alluring, it's not the most respected ministry by far, especially in the Korean American church. Uh, it straddles somewhere between like glorified babysitting and light policing in the eyes of many people. But I want to debunk that and propose to you why I feel that this is the most important and the most difficult ministry at the church. High schoolers, they go through the most visible and invisible changes in the shortest amount of time during a person's life. They are physically going through puberty, emotionally they are sensitive and fragile, spiritually they are beginning to challenge held beliefs for the first time, and socially they are living in a physical and digital world more than ever before, especially with the uh, onslaught of social media and all that it brings. They're going to they're going through chemical, biological, emotional, physical, and spiritual change in a very quick and short four years. They go from liking unicorns and Beyblades to determining their future and applying for colleges and universities, trying to figure out what major they're going to have. The primary source of affirmation are peers at this time. And the primary source of pain are also peers. Therefore, peers at school and peers at church are loved or sometimes despised. 
And once held places of love and safety and care become places of dread and despising, depending on sometimes the peers they're with. So as all this stuff is happening and you throw all that stuff into this big stew, it is a messy, sticky time. And it is a beautiful place to be actually, to engage with students as they're going through all this change and to introduce to them the gospel that is constant, that's constant, that doesn't change. The one thing besides the sovereign grace of God that reaches these students in these four precious years is another older person who shows genuine, authentic care and love for them, who consistently comes and meets with them and speaks to them. A survey by the International Bible Society indicated that 83% of all Christians make their first commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. That's why we have this thing called the 414 window for uh, missions, focusing on missions on ages 4 to 14. But youth or teens aged 14 to 18 have only a 14% probability of doing so, of uh, making a decision for the Lord. So that's a drop off of 69% from 83% to 14%. And then unbelieving adults aged 19 and over have just a 6% probability of becoming Christians. That's a drop of another 8%. So between uh, 4 to 14 and 14 to 18, something happens. In that age range, something very crucial happens after junior high. I would argue that junior high is probably the most important because that's where they make the most uh, decisions for Jesus. But I think that high school is really important because that's where we need to keep and retain and water into these lives of these students who've made these beautiful decisions to follow Jesus. And they need real help. They need hands and feet on the ground with them, walking with them through the trenches of these four years of all these changes. They need transforming grace, not just informing data. They don't just need biblical knowledge, but they need to know Jesus. And sometimes the Jesus that they need to see is our faces faces of adults who want to volunteer with them. The good news is that even though they go through this time, they're still very much open and able to be reached. They're still at home. They still come to church whether they like it or not. Parents bring them. And we as a church need to reach our high school students with the gospel desperately. We have the gospel, but we need you and others to volunteer to carry that gospel to them, to be uh, committed to them to walk with them in the four years of high school. They need consistent older brothers and sisters in the faith. If you think about your conversion, if you think about your time at the church, if you were raised in the church, it's probably not a sermon or a pastor that made the big difference, but it's probably some other person, an older brother or sister, a teacher, who came alongside you and encouraged you and walked with you and listened to you. We need you to do those things. We need those type of people. Our high school ministry has changed and will continue to change. And that's why I think that no one is actually a youth expert for too long. Because once you think you have it figured out, everything changes. This is my 31st year in youth ministry. It's been a long time. But you know what? I don't have 31 years of experience. I have 10 cycles of three-year experiences. Because every three to four years, everything changes and I become a noob. I become a beginner again. Things that I think worked before stopped working. And I had some cycles where it was great, things worked great. And I had some cycles that 
just didn't work out good at all. I just could not really catch what was happening. It's difficult. I'm in my 10th cycle of being a noob, you know, of being able to think about what's happening and who these students are, how different they are from 10 years ago and 15 years ago, even six years ago. So it's a truly unique ministry where the traits of the ministry are changing. We have a completely new congregation every few years. Students graduate and we have new, new students come up. The best students are seniors that are sitting with you today that have joined you for the first time. We welcome you. I'm glad that you're sitting here and you're watching uh, Mosaic. I'm pretty sure that Mosaic and the pastors and, and, and the congregation here love having you just as I, I love having you. And you are the best, you are the greatest. But now that you're gone, that makes it so sad. You know, and we lose you every year, the senior crop, right? The, the creme of the creme. And we get new ninth graders, still green behind the ears and still uh, just unaware and, and not as sophisticated as you all. Uh, so youth culture is always changing. And if you don't adapt, you outdate, you outdate yourself. A lively ministry one year can become stale and outdated within three years. So the core of our ministry remains biblical, but our students live in a rapidly changing world. So youth ministry therefore needs to reinvent itself and has to contextualize over and over again. That's where it becomes challenging, but also that's where it becomes really fun because you don't get uh, too used to doing things the way it's always done. You have to always kind of rethink and revamp and bring in fresh air into a ministry. But one of the anchors of our high school ministry that remains throughout the changes, throughout the years, is service. More than 35% serve at the church, be it with his friends, or be it with lower elementary or kindergarten or upper elementary, mosaic minis even. Uh, they work and serve uh, weekly at this ministry called Spectrum, which I think many of you know what it is. Uh, we're not there because of pandemic, but we go there every Saturday, we serve those who are non-able-bodied people at this uh, group home in uh, Norwood, in Kloster, uh, called Spectrum. We do a monthly city meals on wheels where we go out and we hand out meals to people who are shut in in their homes. Uh, we give students many, many opportunities, be it going to new kids, uh, new city kids in, in Patterson or going on missions and serving. Uh, we want them to have a lot of opportunities to serve. And I think that's one of those things that don't change. No matter what culture changes and how things become different, I feel like when we teach our students to serve and we give them opportunities to serve, they blossom and they grow. They bear much amazing, amazing fruit. I believe that our students have to do right to think right. Most of us over time, you know, we're taught that we have to think right and be right and be good so that we could go and do good. Prepare yourself to be you know, trained and discipled, and once you're all that, then you can go and you can do this great work. But you know what, our students will have no interest in this training and being discipled and, and thinking right until they actually are immersed and thrown into a situation where they go and serve. You know, I had one student who would graduate, I asked, you know, what was the highlight of your four years of, min of, of being at Resurgence? And she said, in ninth grade, someone told me to go to this thing where we go to Philadelphia, we serve Christmas dinner to uh, a community there in Uber Street. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you went to that? She's like, yeah, yeah, I went there. It was the first time I was ever in that kind of an um, environment. And I got to serve dinner and talk to kids and, and play with them and meet with them. And uh, it opened my eyes. 
And after that, I really wanted to get involved. I started to join like discipleship, and I joined outreach, and I went on missions. It was all that. So I think that sometimes we need to just kind of throw kids into something, opportunity to go and just kind of be uncomfortable maybe, uh, be stretched in ways that they don't think they can be stretched. And then they come back, and then we assess what was happening. We assess what they did, what they felt, what they saw. And that gives a greater, deeper soil in their hearts to now think correctly, to be discipled, so that now they can go out again and do this work again with a new heart, a transformed vision. I really believe that uh, the marker for resurgence and the way it changes students' lives is service, giving them the ability to serve as much as possible. Our orthodoxy has to match our orthopraxy. What we truly believe has to be met with what we truly do. And our students need to have both. They need to have the right beliefs to do the right things. And that's kind of basically what we do at Resurgence. We want them to think right, do right, but also do right to think right. And we want to give them opportunities to engage with the world and serve uh, as much as they can. And I believe that that will grow in them a longing to really be uh, a disciple of Jesus. Serving is a big part of high school ministry. Before we only had praise team and welcoming team on Sunday service for Sunday worship, but now we have this group called BTS and it's butter. If you didn't get that joke, it's because you're not in tune with today's society and what's happening right now. BTS, of course, is a Korean K-pop band and their newest single is called Butter. But BTS doesn't actually stand for that. In our ministry, it stands for behind the scenes. Uh, these are for students who want to get involved on Sundays, but they're not people that want to stand on stage for praise team. They're not your happy-go-lucky people who are social, want to greet people that come into the church that are new. Uh, but what they do is they go into the, uh, to the sound booth and they work all the sound stuff, the slides, the uh, PowerPoint, the pro presenter. They work now with changing the lights, uh, now with streaming and working with those on Zoom. And they help with these behind-the-scenes things. They clean and arrange chairs, make sure that service is ready and prepped to go. And we feel that once our students get a taste of serving in some capacity and giving in some capacity, that they will see a faith that's not just on paper and creed, but that will become a faith that is flesh and bone, that they would love to do things, love to serve. Um, and again, that they would really be able to now take in deeper and greater uh, learning and teaching and become discipled. This is where the shift occurs. See, in today's text, there's a shift. Prior to verses 9 through 12, there's a strong word of reprimand to believing Jews who are spiritually immature. It was a vicious tongue lashing, to say the least. They were called as a people who were stuck sucking on milk when they, say, when they should be eating meat. They said that they need to be taught when they should be teachers by now. They're just being rebuked for their uh, immaturity in the faith. But as that is going on, there's a shift in verses 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 and, and, and so forth. But the, he, the writer of Hebrews, he shifts his tone. And he says this to comfort them. He says, though we speak in this way, though we gave you this tongue lashing, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things that belongs to salvation. He's saying, yeah, though we feel this way, but you know what? You're an exception. You guys are doing good work to a degree. Uh, and he says, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. 
and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And he says, God recognizes the good work that you've done. God recognizes the way you served. God recognizes the way you loved. But there is still that immaturity that you have to work on. Right? And I really believe that's what our students are going through. A lot of them love to serve. They love to show that public passion. But we want them to work on that private devotion at the same time. I would say that your private devotion has to be greater than your public passion. And for our students, it's very easy to get caught up in serving and being on stage and doing things in the, in the light. But it's hard for them to go back and have a real solid private devotion, a private life of faith. And we want to encourage both. We want to encourage both. We want to give opportunities to engage with the world and serve, but at the same time, we want them to serve God by taking time to be with God alone in His Word, the Gospel, really transform their hearts and their lives. So there's a shift, this ominous uh, tone changes from warnings about how spiritual immaturity leads to faithlessness and God's judgment, to, and it shifts in verses 9-12, through 12, where it's made clear that the Jewish Christians that are reading this letter are not disheartened nor doomed, but their good deeds on behalf of God are seen and realized. They've been doing good works of service, and God knows that. They were doing good work outwardly, and God gives recognition. But they were inwardly stagnant and not growing. I always say that a student's public passion cannot be greater than his private devotion, but, but a person's private devotion can't be so great that there's no public passion. There has to be some type of outward uh, way of showing what you really believe in, hold in, and love. There has to be an outlet of this stuff. And I believe that one of those outlets is serving in youth ministry, serving our students. You know, we want our students to have deep roots and high-reaching branches. We want them to be firmly planted, but also really, really reach out far, reach out high and bear much fruit. Uh, but that doesn't happen just by having them sit in a service uh, or going on a mission trip. That happens because there's consistent people that are walking with them. And we need people to walk with them. What we're looking for is people to do a ministry with us and dare to take three steps. I'll explain what that means. Um, this ministry is rough. It's tough. It's not easy. Kids are not easy to be around. They go through so much changes, it's tough. Sometimes you're not going to get the response that you want. But we want you to take three steps with us. And that comes from Peter walking on water. When Peter is summoned by Jesus to walk on water, he jumps out of the boat and he takes a few steps and he looks. There's the waves, there's the wind, and he takes his eyes off Jesus. And of course, he begins to sink and he cries out for help. Jesus reaches out, saves him. And people think of this as a failure for Peter. But you know what? He walked three steps on water maybe four steps on water, more than we ever did. He had the faith to jump out of that boat. That's what we want from you. We want you, if you so desire, and if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, to come and step out of the boat onto the water. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be very tough. It's not gonna be you know, neat and clean. It's gonna be very messy. But come, take a few steps with us and see how God can restore you. Because when I think about asking people to come and do volunteering, I feel like for many years I had to like 
plea and beg and say, please take some time to suffer with us, right? But I don't think that's true anymore. I don't think that's the way I need to come and approach this anymore. I'm not asking you to come and suffer. I'm not asking you to like come and just like bear this great deep burden because that's what a lot of people think of when they think of youth ministry and serving the youth ministry. It's actually a beautiful way for you to grow. It's true. When you serve youth and you serve high school, you will grow. You will be challenged, but you will grow. Let me read some verses to you so that you know that these words are not my words. Proverbs 11.25, it says this, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 1 Peter 4.10, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Galatians 6.10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. 30 years doing youth ministry, I realized one thing, students still need Jesus. They don't need me, they need Jesus. On one hand, I think I've become a little bit better at recognizing and reaching and relating to our students, with the experience that I have. But on the other hand, I also know that the only thing I have to offer is the gospel of Jesus. That's all I got. I can lean on experience and my know-how or whatever it is, but you know what? I'd rather just lean on Jesus and the Holy Spirit and have him lead. And that's what we're asking from you. We're not asking you to be experts. Maybe you're like the people that are being talked about prior to verse 9. Maybe you are spiritually immature. You're not growing the way you ought to be. You should be teachers by now, but you need teaching. Maybe you are still sucking on that milk that is spiritual instead of eating the meat of his word and growing. But that's okay. We follow Christ and we say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. What I want is not someone who is able, but someone who is available and consistent and teachable. I want you to be taught by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, to come and do an amazing work. Students still need Jesus. They don't need gimmicks. They don't need relevancy. They don't need you to be cool or hip. They just need Jesus. They need to see Jesus shine off of you. And Jesus shines off of you in a way that he can't shine off of me. We are unique in that way. We're unique prisms that catch the light of Christ and reflect the spectrum of his beauty. Each of us do it in a different way. Serving high school students can be met with hesitance. It may require some sacrifice, but I promise you that when you do it, you'll be also learning a lot about yourself. We are desperate for staff, but that's not how I want to come off. Yes, we're desperate for staff. We have about nine students, uh, nine small group teachers that have stepped down. Some of them just texted me, they can't make it anymore. Some wrote long emails explaining why. Some called and talked to me, and some told me face to face. Some gave me a few weeks or a few months notice. Some people called me and said, This is it, it's my last day. I'm desperate, but I'm not here to plea out of desperation because serving needs to be viewed more as a sanctification than suffering more of a delight than a duty. High school ministry is not about going to some well-oiled machine. It's not, our ministry is messy. I've had no other uh, staff for over a year and a half during COVID. It was a crazy year for me, but you know what? It's still a delight. With all the challenges that are there, it's still a delight for me. 
Listen to Paul urge you in Ephesians 4, 1, 3. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Investing in teenagers in each week is no easy task. Students will be distracted in group discussions by their phones. They'll try to steer you off topic with what happened to them at school that week. Students will ask for advice but turn around and never take it and just do the opposite. Students will fall back into their old sins and their old habits once you think you've had a breakthrough. Some will become outright silent and give no feedback to what you say or what you do. But someone said this, and I quote here, Student ministry has a unique way of exposing impatience, pride, anger, jealousy, and insecurity within the leader. For example, what comes out when you try to lead a gaggle of schoolboys in group discussion and all they want to do is talk about Fortnite? Or what is exposed in you when you bestow the greatest wisdom and yet she still keeps going back to her boyfriend? Or what is exposed within you when students stop coming to you for advice and go to someone else? And what is exposed within you when you're asked questions that you don't know the answers to? To each of these situations, the countless others of the adult volunteers have the opportunity to lean on their own ability or to turn to Jesus for confidence, humility, grace, and patience. Doing student ministry will force you to lean on Jesus. Say, I can't, you have to. And he will rise to that challenge. The challenges of student ministry will test the patience of the most mature Christian. However, with each of these challenges, the full measure of grace has been given to all of us including the adult volunteer, according to the measure of Christ's gift. The good news is that Christ doesn't hold back. With each challenge in students' ministry, there's an opportunity for adult leaders to be transformed more into the image of Jesus as they turn to him for strength, wisdom, and grace to lead in humility, gentleness, and faithfulness. Let me finish this story about a deacon named Doug. Doug was a father, well-respected deacon of a church, he was well-dressed, well-mannered, and a successful man. He approached the pastor of a high school ministry and said, hey, I want to serve Sunday school as a teacher. There was one class in need of a teacher because one teacher just had quit. And the pastor said, hey, I'm kind of reluctant to give you this class because this is a class of unruly, wild ninth grade boys. They're smart, they're intelligent, they're quick-witted, quick-tongued, and outright they are loud and wild would you be willing to take that class? And Doug said, I would. He prepared many, many hours for his class. He did research, prepared many pages of notes for a small group, prepared snacks, brought it, and he brought energy, and he brought a big smile with him when he came to small group every single week. But most of it was spent trying to maintain decorum and quiet for him to speak and share his prepared lessons. They didn't have any of it. They would steer off topic, they would make rude and rude comments. And after feeling like he was getting nowhere with this class, he approached the pastor after six months and said, this is not for him. I can't do this. I'm not the right person. The pastor begged and pleaded just to try it a little longer. Unwillingly, he agreed to stay a little longer. He taught and taught and shared and gave his heart to these boys. The boys became a little nicer to him, but still lived wild lives of sin and saw no change in their character, despite 
teacher Doug's desperate prayers, meetings with parents, and trying to reach them during the week. After two years, Doug stepped down, and he never taught another youth class again, thinking that he had failed. The boys in the class got caught skipping school, sneaking into girls' rooms during a multi-church retreat, became addicted to smoking, partying, sex, uh, video games, didn't go to school because of video games. A little game called, um, what's that shooting game? I forgot. Um, they would play these video games all the time. Then they all somehow got into pretty good colleges. And in college, all of them started to attend church and small groups in church and to become... Uh, they took discipleship classes, and finally they took their faith seriously. Today they're deacons and elders at their local church. When asked who had the deepest impact on their faith, they said, their teacher Doug. They felt his compassion and care, even though they were rude and unruly. They felt that he was never changing, always the same, always a big smile, always preparing really hard for them. They said that they remembered him all throughout college and into their adult lives as parents now. As ministers of the gospel, it's our duty to call and inspire our volunteers to delight in their sanctification as they serve, disciple, and love students unto the gospel. Their service is not just for students, it's also for them. Our resurgence ministry is not only for our students, it's also for you. Don't worry about what you think you can bring to the table. Jesus is there, and he's asking if you want to step up and you be used by him, then you have an opportunity to make a deep, lasting change into the lives of students today. My name is Pastor Pat. I'm the high school pastor at Resurgence. Thank you for your time. I pray that I can see and speak to you all. Have a blessed day. Thank you.